Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. This is the first in a two-part episode in which I speak to my Australian friend, Daniel Burt. Now, Daniel Burt is a journalist, a comedy writer and performer from Melbourne in Australia. He writes for two big newspapers in Australia. He worked as an intern at Late Night with David Letterman. He has his own page on Wikipedia and in his work he has interviewed Matt Smith, David Tennant, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, which means that he's met two Doctor Whos, Sherlock Holmes, Doctor Watson and The Hobbit. Wow! In this episode you can listen to us talking about diverse topics such as Australia's relationship to the Queen and the Commonwealth, his work as an entertainment journalist his time living in New York, The David Letterman Show, Will Smith, Show Business, and Zombies. I'm very pleased to have Daniel on the podcast for a number of reasons. He's a bright, witty guy with lots of things to say, and he can talk the hind legs off a donkey. Not literally, that's just an idiom, which means that he can talk and talk and talk. He's from Australia, so you can listen to his genuine Aussie accent and hear some authentic Australian English. And as I said, he has met Sherlock Holmes, Bilbo Baggins, Doctor Who, and other people, which I think is amazing. Daniel is also noteworthy enough to have his own page on Wikipedia, which you can find by searching for Daniel Burt Comedian, or you can find a link to it on my website. Daniel is a writer, so naturally he uses a lot of colourful language, descriptive vocabulary and idiomatic expressions. He also speaks pretty quickly in an accent that you might not be so familiar with, so listen closely. A transcript should arrive for this episode before too long, but if you have any questions about words or phrases that you hear in this episode, or any other questions at all, please leave them in the comments section of this episode with a time code so I know which part you're talking about. This is a two-part podcast. In part one, this one, Daniel and I talk about these things. We start by kind of bantering about the zombie apocalypse. Is my apartment safe? Would Daniel survive a zombie attack or is he too complacent? Are people who like zombies all loners? Am I a loner? We talk about Daniel's coin-dropping habits. He, for some reason, keeps dropping coins. Uh, why can't Daniel hold on to coins when shop assistants give him change? Why does he always drop coins onto the floor? Is it because Australian notes are so shiny and slippery that the coins just slide off? Or is it just because he's socially awkward or nervous for some reason? We talk about the Queen on Australian money. How does Daniel feel about it? 
What's the role of the Queen in Australian life? Will Australia leave the Commonwealth and become fully independent? We talk about Daniel's work as an entertainment journalist. Does he really have a Wikipedia page about him? What was it like living in New York? And what was it like working for David Letterman? Uh, we discuss seeing Will Smith in the audience at a Parisian cabaret show. Did he enjoy the show? What was the audience's reaction to seeing Will Smith in the crowd? Did it affect the performance? What are the secrets of show business? And what does getting jiggy with it actually mean? I've divided this into two episodes, so stay tuned for details about his meeting with Sherlock Holmes, The Hobbit and Doctor Who in part two. Um, our conversation begins pretty quickly after we'd already been talking for about half an hour before turning on the microphone. So let me just give you some context so that you can kind of hit the ground running and understand exactly what's going on at the beginning of the conversation, okay? Before turning on the microphone, we were talking about some of our favourite TV shows. I mentioned that I watched The Walking Dead, which is a show all about zombies. I like zombies and that kind of thing. I'm just a sick and twisted individual in that way. Um, but Daniel doesn't watch the show and he isn't a big zombie fan. He said he thought that you'd need to be a bit of an idiot to get bitten by a zombie because they're so slow. Surely you'd just see the zombie coming and you'd get out of the way quite casually. I disagreed and explained that getting bitten by a zombie, or a walker, as they call it on the TV show, getting bitten by one is actually easier than you might expect. Zombies might seem slow, but if you get complacent, meaning overconfident and too relaxed, that's when you might get caught by surprise. If a zombie's walking towards you, he's pretty slow, so you might think that you're safe, but they're unpredictable. What might happen is that the the zombie gets about three metres away and gets excited because he can smell your brains. And then he kind of trips slightly and starts to fall forwards. This means that his falling actually increases his speed and the momentum carries him to you faster than you expected. Next thing you know, you've got a zombie on top of you and while you're trying to deal with him, Another one might have arrived behind you quietly without you realising. And then you're bitten, double bitten, by two members of the undead. Then later on, you're a zombie too. <gasps> Brains! Now, Daniel didn't realise that this could happen. Now, I, I reassured him by explaining that up in my flat, we would be quite safe from zombies because I'm on the, the sixth floor and my door is very strong but that you still shouldn't get complacent, even then. You can never be too safe from zombies because, well, anything can happen. For example, let's say, on the other side of the city, some guys have managed to escape from a zombie-infested building by flying off the roof in a helicopter. Ooh, that was close. Good thing we had this helicopter. But one of the guys in the chopper has been bitten, and he didn't tell the others. He was too ashamed or too embarrassed. He kept it secret. Big mistake. Within minutes, he's turned into a zombie. And he starts attacking the pilot. <sighs> trying to eat his brains. It's horrible. The pilot gets bitten, and he turns into a zombie too. Now you've got a zombie flying a helicopter 
which is never a good thing. In the confusion, the helicopter crashes onto the roof of my building. The pilot and the passengers are all zombies, and they crawl out of the wreckage and climb through a hole in the wall into my living room. And, of course, Daniel gets bitten. Not me. I'd be ready with a cricket bat or a hammer or something, maybe a crossbow. It would be tough, but I would deal with them. Daniel, though, he'd be beyond dead at this point, the poor guy. And why? Because he got complacent. Right? You should never get complacent with zombies. They'll come crashing through the roof in a helicopter. Or they might just get up to the sixth floor by a lift, you know, by accident. Or just thousands and thousands of zombies from Paris would surround my building. French zombies. Oh, my God. Um, And eventually they would break in by smashing all the windows and doors. Don't worry, though. It's very, very unlikely to happen. Or is it? Hmm? So that's just some context to the conversation I was having with Daniel before starting the recording. Now you can enjoy some chat with my Aussie mate, Daniel. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. And uh, today, for the first time ever on Luke's English Podcast, I have an actual, genuine Australian person in front of me, and he's going to talk to us, and we're going to learn all about not only the fact that he's Australian, which is just interesting in itself, but he's going to tell us about Australia from the Australian's point of view. We'll also get to know uh, him as well, and uh, we'll talk about his work and, and other interesting things. So I think it's probably a good moment for me to just say hello to our guest today, and that's Daniel. Hello, Daniel. G'day. Oh, my God. Thanks for having me. You're, you're very welcome. How does it feel to be on Luke's English Podcast? It's just extraordinary. And, um, you know, we've been talking off mic, and I've already learned so much. Really? Yeah. More than I could have ever hoped. What did you... Can you well, tell me I, didn't know, I didn't know that zombies yeah. fell forward or gained momentum as they approached their prey. I yes. thought it was a steady... And it just makes me... Wonder why they they don't move faster more often. Yeah. Like if if it's got it in them, if they have it in them for that burst, yeah. why do they withhold it at the end? So um, we just to clarify, just mm. for the listeners, we we before I started recording, we talked a little bit about zombies. We were talking about The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and um, you you basically said because uh, you, you know, live you live high up and you you're you're safe from zombie attack. Yeah, so I live on the sixth floor, mm-hmm. and if there was a zombie attack, then I think I think we'd be all right up here. Yeah, um, the door is very strong, unless somehow zombies got on the roof. Yeah, maybe yeah. if a helicopter crashed, maybe then the zombies could get in. But generally, I think that we're quite safe up here. Well, there's the elevator. Obviously, they can catch an elevator, but it's a small elevator. And from what I can see, and I don't know much about zombies, but they seem to always have their arms, each of them outstretched. Yeah, yeah. So that's good yeah. for like touching the button, but I'm not sure. Could the door close in your elevator with a zombie in there? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. I think what could happen is that zombies could get into the hallway downstairs, mm-hmm. and they would be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, bumping around. Yeah, one of them would bump into the elevator button. Oh, okay. The elevator would come down. The door. Oh no, you need to pull the door open. Oh right, you do. You need. It's quite a heavy door. You need to pull it open. And zombies can't pull. Well, they. 
they can get trapped and then fall backwards. Okay. And that would allow the door to open. Right. So maybe that would happen. They would be pushing against the door because yeah. there's so many of them down there. Uh-huh. Um, they'd be pushing against the door. One of them would get his arm like trapped in the handle and then he'd fall over and the door would swing open. Can a zombie get up or is it like a cow? Where... Uh, no, they can get up. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. If, if they are not, it, you know, if they're quite fresh, uh-huh. uh, the muscle fibers are still in fairly good condition. Yeah, they can get up. Definitely. They can get up. Yeah, yeah, they can. Is it elegant? Do they get up elegantly? Do well, they... well, no. It's 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 shambolic and, right. and ugly. But do uh, they have to keep moving? Otherwise, they die like a shark. Uh, no, no, okay. they don't. Though they can stay dormant for a long time. Oh, I had if, no idea. In, I imagine, for example, if a, if a zombie froze, if it was in an, in very if it was in Russia, let's yeah. say in the middle of winter in Siberia, yeah. a zombie probably could freeze, but then spring would come round, okay. and that zombie would. Be, would melt. Yep. Well, the ice would melt. It would. It would thaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and we're not talking about thaw. We're still talking about zombies. Yeah, we haven't started talking about superheroes <laughs> yet. So, if a zombie did thaw out, and then next thing you know, yeah, that zombie would would reanimate. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I don't ever really think much about zombies, but say, for instance, you did have a treadmill. A treadmill. Yeah. What's uh? What's that? Just for my listeners, sometimes a treadmill I'm... is a walking machine at a gym. Yeah. A gymnasium. So yeah. you run on it. Okay, running machine. Running machine. Yeah. So, say you put a running machine or a treadmill next to your, like, door, and the yeah. zombie comes in, and yeah. he steps on the machine, yeah. and he's just, he's just on the machine. Like, that's, it just looks like he's running. Could he get off the machine? Yeah, I think so. Oh, because the, Because uh, if the, it, you see, the thing is with zombies, right, you can never think, well, uh, you see, that they're, they're inconsistent, and just, there's always some... Um, tricky thing happens that you don't expect with a zombie. Mm. For example, you can think, that's fine, we've got a fence. Yeah. The zombies can't get through the fence. Yeah. But something's going to happen. There will be enough zombies will oh, arrive. Okay. And as a collective force, they'll push against the fence. Yeah. And even though you made it really strong, yeah. there's nothing that's going to withstand, let's say, 20,000 zombies. 20,000. You, know, you get these huge herds. Critical mass. Yeah. Mm. They'll, they'll push through anything. Yeah, right. They'll crush each other that's as they incredible. do it. Wow. But ultimately the zombies will get through. Yeah. So being up here on the sixth floor, you might think is safe, mm. but there's, you know, anything can happen. Because I, I, my argument is you have to be absolutely hopeless uh, to die by the hand of a zombie. You're saying that complacency, thats it's that very thinking that's going to kill me. Yeah, that's what we were talking about before we started recording. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, Daniel, you said, but surely you have to be just an idiot if you get... Uh, if if uh, if you get bitten by a zombie, because he's the only predator that like announces he's coming. Like, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh look, oh, zombies are here, yeah. and the only predators that you can hear coming, mm. and that um, uh, are very slow. Mm-hmm. But you see, again, you can't assume that. You can't assume you're always going to hear a zombie coming. Oh. Sometimes they're they're silent. Oh, sometimes they're just there. How cheeky! And you might, for example, find a, a, a house. Uh-huh. Uh, which apparently has been abandoned uh-huh. and you go through the house and there's no sign of any zombies anywhere and you think this is fine and then you sit down and you relax and you, you eat some beans that you found in the cupboard mm-hmm. and you've been there for like I two probably years. wouldn't I bloody hate beans okay yeah, yeah. right well that's I'm being English I sure. would eat baked beans okay um, and then like a few hours afterwards you're sitting there thinking everything's fine but you didn't realise there was a zombie in the bathroom upstairs mm-hmm. And it's been basically kind of um, not asleep, but just not 
really awake because there's been no noise, no sounds, no smells. You make them sound like good nappers. (laughs) I think that when zombies are not uh, near, when there were no people around, zombies just sort of have a little nap. (laughs) They power nap. And then they come back to life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, yeah, they might just, if if, let's say the zombie was wearing some woolen slippers. Yeah. It was a guy who got bitten in his home. He was wearing woolen slippers. Mm-hmm. And so that zombie's still wearing those woolen slippers. It's going to be a silent zombie. Nin- there, ninja zombies. Would there be, do you think, zombie shaming? So say if I died from a zombie and people wouldn't turn up to my funeral because they would be like, well... Or they wouldn't have sympathy for me if if I was, like, asking for it. Wait a minute. Uh... Just run so that by I'm again. I'm complacent about zombies. Obviously, you're yeah, explaining you're like, this to me. Yeah, um, I probably wouldn't. Have, I would think you know. I think I can fend them off with a treadmill near the door. <laughs> near the yeah. door. You're thinking I'll come up with some simple way to get rid of the zombies. Yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah, but you, you know, you're being complacent. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. So I die in a zombie attack. Nobody cares because I'm. I was totally complacent, and my my nobody cares about me dying. Why would no one care? No one would care because they would think, well, you know, he it- didn't prepare. <laughs> well, you think that uh, when the zombie apocalypse arrives... When? If and when. If, yeah, okay, if, of course. But uh, if it arrives, you think that the value systems are going to change so much that we'd cease to value the lives if of I'm- humans who are complacent? Well, I don't know. Like, if I'm playing on a train track and, like, you know... And, and something happens to me, predictable, yeah. like a train hits me. Yeah. People are going to go, Wah. good. Uh, yeah, well, maybe not good. <laughs> but anyway, it look, was a stu- he shouldn't have been playing around on the train tracks. That's right. And you, and you, 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 you were looking for a. You, you would use a hammer. You said that you were looking around your house. You played a game with yourself. But, but hold on, hold on a minute. Um, I don't think anyone would would uh, think it was a good thing. If you died, even if you were complacent, maybe. All right, okay. There's. I'm not saying they would think it was think it was a good thing. I'm saying they wouldn't think it was a very, 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 very bad thing. I think um, it would be like the Darwin Awards. Yeah, th- yeah. they would think. Well, we lost one, but mm. it's not that bad because mm. he was he didn't re- he wasn't really uh good for the for the group. That's right. Because he was complacent. Yeah, we. There is a, there is an element of that in in the zombie universe. Yeah, okay. But um. Um, yeah, some people die in the group. Yeah. And to an extent, you're thinking, oh, this is tragic. But mm. on the other hand, you're thinking, but now the group is stronger. Right, yeah. So I get, get kicked out of the gene pool and everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I was holding everyone back. Maybe basically. that's part of the interest in this zombie narrative, mm. that it's somehow, it's a, it's a way for people to fantasize about the idea of ganging, grouping together and getting a really strong group of people yeah. who are able to survive. And that we don't have this kind of survival uh, dilemma mm-hmm. in our lives anymore. No. And so it's quite fun to fantasize about what would happen if I had to fight for my life. Yes. You know, rather than what you know, rather than worrying about the way that you've worded that tweet. Yeah. Instead, you're worrying about how can I conserve this food and water and ammunition. Yes. In order to to survive, and I think it's particularly popular in America because they have that sort of. Um, uh, 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 spirit, which is like, I want to be independent. I want to set up my own family group, and we're going to go off into the wilderness mm. and see how long we can survive. Like and a live, militia, yeah, and live on our own means, like yeah. like in the original founding days of America. You know, I the think Wild people West. people who like zombies 
and I don't uh, tend to be, and I'll I'll say this, mm. loners. Yeah. And they're acting out their fantasy for community spirit. Yes. Maybe, and instead yeah. of joining a cricket club or playing <laughs> netball, they're pretending what they would do in an apocalypse. Yeah. And then imagining that there's some kind of camaraderie amongst their fellow species. Yeah. 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 You may be right. Which kind of does go back to that story that I told you. Um, so maybe that, maybe this... Maybe I'm one of those loners that you're Maybe. I didn't mean to. It took a long way to get for me to insult you, but secu- I'm not circuitously insul- we no, did. No, I'm not insulted. You're not insulted. I'm not insulted at all. Okay, I appreciate um, uh, In fact, there's a, there, there's a, a Neil Young song called The Loner, oh. which I think is a brilliant song, so I'm not insulted. Cause oh, because you like being a loner. Well, I, I'm, you know... Oh, make up your mind. Either own own it or don't own it. So there's a Neil Can song... Can not be both? There's Can a I... Neil song, a Neil Young song that speaks to you, but you refuse to admit that it speaks to you because you might, in fact, be a loner. No, I think that I am a loner to an extent, but not exclusively a loner. I mean, there's part part of me or, you know, at some time, sometimes I feel, you know, like a loner and that feels good, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and, you know... Uh, I'll listen to that song and I'm like, yeah, that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. But there's also sometimes I feel like I don't want to be a loner. I'd rather, you know, I feel uh, like I'm, uh, yeah, lonely and something weird about it. Yeah. And so I, I would need the company of other people yeah. to make me feel that's right. like I'm, I'm, I'm normal. Yes. You know. Because a loner isn't necessarily lonely. In fact, they're, yeah. they're almost opposite. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I think that... I. I think that basically I'm I can I'm okay on my own a lot of the time you know I'm okay but I don't necessarily like that you know because mm-hmm. I think it's it makes me a bit weird sometimes yeah. if I spend a long period of time on my own I'll be fine but when it comes to meeting people again I'll realize oh my god I'm I'm totally in my own world how long is a long time for you to be alone <laughs> Oh, not that long. Not that long? Uh, Just a couple of hours? No, a couple of days. A couple of days. A weekend, I might, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. But before I was... Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Before I uh, got together with my girlfriend, for Mm -hmm. example. Yeah, I might might spend a weekend where I don't really have any human contact. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Well, and how long will it take to blow the cobwebs out? Oh, no. Not long. Okay. A few minutes. Oh, great. But yeah. the first impressions last sometimes, and it's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do that. I mean, I, it's a lot of the time, my only interaction is with people who are selling me stuff. Right. And if, if I haven't bought something in a while, I, you know, will turn up and I'm fumbling coins and I'm dropping them. <laughs> I, just, I just look genuinely like... Like I'm kind of bringing the mood of their establishment down, right? Because mm. you're like, oh, uh, oh, I've got money. Oh, oh, god, how do I? How do coins work? I just can't. I honestly, I swear, I I cannot remember. And this is not a joke. The last time I held coins, yeah. and didn't drop some, it is incredible. Really? It is unbelievable. I almost factor it in. Yeah, like I'll I'll count money before I go into the store. Right. And, and like, okay, the money's in this pocket, not in this part. Because also... You mean you, ha- you need to have the coins ready? Because if you need to sort through the coins, you're going oh, to drop some. Oh, my God. Why, why is that? Are you nervous? Or? No, maybe I am. I used to be a, a slips fielder. What, whoa, whoa. What, I think I know what that is. That's mm. a cricketing thing. Yeah. Because being Australian, you're a fan of cricket too. Yeah. Unlike most of the world mm. we love cricket so a slip fielder what is that exactly? well a slip fielder uh, stands behind the bat 
so the, the you've got a bowler bowling very fast, yeah. very fast. And a batsman tries to hit the ball, and sometimes they won't hit the ball as well as they will like. But they will hit the ball a little bit. It'll come off the edge of the bat. Mm. And I'm standing behind the bat, waiting for that edge to come to me. So you need incredibly good reflexes. Yes. Mm. Yes. And, And I used to be able to catch you, and now I can't catch a coin. Like I can't, it drops on the floor and I'm every day I'm like hunched over in like a heavy coat, like trying to angle like a 10 cent piece up a little bit yeah. and pick it. And it's just, it's difficult to pick up a 10 cent piece off the ground sometimes, particularly yeah. if it's a, if it's like one of those marble floors oh, in exactly. a cafe. Oh, well that's why I angle for tiles. So what I, I pray that there's tiles. So I, <laughs> I, I push it towards where two tiles meet and then I can kind of leverage it up in the gap. Okay. And then it, it'll like shoot out at an angle and I'm like, gotcha. Right. Yeah, and then you've I stand got, back up. You've even got your technique for picking up coins. Yeah, down. yeah. You're better at picking up coins than you are at holding coins. Oh, yeah. I'm better at picking up coins than fighting zombies. That's for sure. I mean, there's... there's. <laughs> I've got... I, I have a whole scenario worked out for... Like, I'll, I'll be in a supermarket and I'll, I'll add up already before I get to the counter yeah. how much it's all, it's all going to be. But, Daniel, why do you drop coins? I mean, what... Well, a lot of it has to do also with... When people give you coins, um, they, for some reason, and it frankly, it defies everything. Everything I think well, is logical. Yeah. Um, they'll give you the note and then they'll put the coins on the note. So and like, so they slip and slide everywhere. Here you are, sir, and the, they get the note in their hand and the yeah. coins on top. And yeah. you're like, what am I supposed to do yeah, with this? Yeah, exactly. Like if I gave you a plank of wood yeah. and a and a... A ping pong ball. Right. When I say, "Here's the plank of wood," and then I'll just I'll just balance the ping pong ball yeah. delicately. I mean, it could look neat, but oh, it look not... great. Yeah, exactly. That's it's, the point. It's not practical. It's not practical. No. Is it? It's like every time I shop, it's like people, the cashier is like posing for a photo op. It's like, no, let's just go with what's practical. Yeah, let's coins l- first. Yeah, it's not about the way it looks. It's mm. about the way it works. That's exactly right. And coins on the top of a note, yes, they look pretty. Mm. The the more the higher the value, the lower the, the note. There's yeah. a logic to it. Yeah. But ultimately, those coins are just going to slide around on top of the note as yeah. soon as I hold it. And then eventually, they may either fall on the floor or yeah. it's just going to be difficult to transfer the coins from the top of the note into a pocket or a wallet. Well, it's the transfer that kills me. Okay. That's, that, the, that's what gets me. That's when time. the coins drop. Oh, my God. And it, because it's almost... If you can manage to... I actually don't even know how anyone does it. I, I, I'm gobsmacked. And then there's the element of, because I'll lose my wallet or I'll lose elements that are supposed to be my wallet. And is there a, is it a surprise? Because it's much easier to get everything into a pocket than it is to fiddle open a wallet. And I'm in France and everyone's grumpy anyway. I don't want to hold everything up. Yeah. So, look, anyway, this is, this, is why... Is this, sorry, is this something that has uh, happened in France or was it something that you used to experience in Australia? Well, was in, it a new thing? In Australia, we have incredibly slippery notes. Yeah, they, they're, they're like waterproof and everything. Mm. Yeah. If I'm, I'm proud of Australia in a lot of areas. I think currency is just we win hands down yeah the brilliant the notes the 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 what are they what's your currency it's dollars it's the it? dollar yeah and and uh i, I was in vietnam with my dad mm. and other people and um he the dong uh is made from the australian mint wait a minute 
Oh, you mean the the, the factories the, that make uh, Australian money also make the Vietnamese yeah. coins and notes? So, so Dad would walk around Vietnam holding up like a $50 Australian note, showing, showing Vietnamese people, and he wants to impress upon them the similarities. Like, but of, look at this. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah, of course, they, ju- he, they just think he's giving them money. So <laughs> when they go to take it and he pulls it away, it's just an awkward dad moment. Yeah, you can't go to Vietnam where they, you know, they don't have that much money compared mm. to like in Australia or the States or something mm. and just show them yeah. Australian like dollars and then impressed. just go, well, look, I thought you'd like to see it <laughs> and then just put it back in your own pocket. And yeah, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, right. yeah, and yeah. And, and, and yeah. They don't really care about what it looks like, do they? No, no. They, just... they probably are more interested in just having it so they can buy food. Mm. I imagine. No, that's right. But we've got we've got a window on our money. We've got yeah. we've got you know it's like the plastic. Anyway, the point is it's it's, it's impossible to tear. It's impossible to tear. You could you could put it uh, you could put it in the washing machine and it will come out and it will still be perfect. It'll be cleaner. It'll be better. Yeah. It'll be worth more. <laughs> um. So so it really is. Uh, basically, so the f- the problem with slippery coins on notes yeah. uh, didn't begin in France. In fact, it's probably better in France, but I, maybe I'm more nervous about interacting. So it's like some social interaction that, that it, it, it's just that you're slightly nervous about social interaction. Could be that. Okay. It could be that, Doctor. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but but uh, basically, Australian currency is like Teflon, and I miss it horribly. And you yeah. open it up, and it's a, you know we've got red, we've got uh, yellow, uh, you know green. It's very vibrant, beautiful colours. Oh my! It looks like something that should be hanging in the pompadour. Do you have the Queen on your banknotes? Indeed, yes. And how do you feel about that? Um, I. Uh, it'll be interesting when she's dead. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, you know, what's going to happen? Like, well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Okay, great. She's going to regenerate oh, into Prince Charles. Oh, okay. Right? I thought you meant some Doctor Who. Well, it is like Doctor Who. Sure. Because in a sense, yeah, it's, the Queen is dead. Long live the King. Yeah. So when the Queen dies, obviously it will be tragic, but mm. we're just going to get a new one immediately. Yeah. So it will be like the end of a series of Doctor Who. But I wonder how long it will be. Like, will I be 90 and say, look at this... It's a coin with the Queen, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. I, th- I think it, I guess when the Queen does die, obviously it would be tragic. But yes, the, all the mints will have to start producing notes with Prince Charles's face if he becomes king, which See, he probably will. Australia is very apathetic. Insanely apathetic. That's one of our traits. You mean what, what do you mean by that? Um, indifferent. Uh, in, uh, where we, we don't worry too much about things that aren't you know, of immediate concern. So I guess what you mean is that, you know, the, you're not that concerned about the, the queen because she doesn't have immediate impact. That's right. So when I say apathetic, I mean laid back. We have a reputation for being laid back and so much so that the uh, Republican debate kind of lost. Yeah. So we said, yeah, I don't care if the queen's there. We'll have the queen. Yeah. So the the queen stayed, but I reckon when the when the coins change, yeah. and people go, what do I have? Prince Charles? I'm at the pub. I'm looking at Prince Charles's face. Yeah. Come on, I reckon that could be a turning point. Well, Prince Charles is not as popular as the queen, and the queen is going to be a very very hard act to follow because, you know, think you know, although the monarchy is a con- controversial system, mm. generally the queen 
within that system, whether you agree with it or not, the Queen has done quite a good job because she's managed to avoid making any big mistakes. You know, she's basically hung in there mm. and... Well, she doesn't have to do anything. She I mean, doesn't well, have to do anything. It's yeah. very easy to not make mistakes. She gets a lot of praise for not making mistakes. But by making mistakes, it could just be expressing her opinion on oh, something. Oh, sure, sure. Know, like Prince Charles. Not beheading someone in a town square. Like. Or, or just saying, I don't agree with that. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or, or suggesting that she likes one political party more than another. Mm. Or that she believes in certain things. Prince Charles is actually quite outspoken. He's got all these ideas and mm. he, he's got opinions and that's actually not meant to be the role of, of the monarchy. They're not supposed to have any opinions, yeah. but well, he wants to get stuck in there. But that, that's probably, I mean, it's not probably, it is historically a recent expectation that the monarchy not have opinions. Which is, I think, a good thing in a way, because they're not elected, you know, we mm. haven't chosen them. Mm. And they, they're there because of the, you know, the leftovers of some old system, which used to say that they had divine right they had a special covenant with yeah. god and you know i mean i don't mind that as a concept because i think it's quite i mean i don't believe in i don't really believe that she has a special relationship with god i mean i don't but i quite like the fact that we've still got that in place and yet uh she's got absolutely no power or, or influence i mean she does get to uh a, you know to basically stamp laws mm -hmm. when they've been through parliament she mm. sort of okays them at the end but she doesn't really do it. it's just uh, the the how you know the the uh the palace that puts a stamp on it yeah um so i feel uh, like it is traditionally older men who really get a kick out of an idea of a a powerful woman but without opinions like th this idea that a, a woman without opinions is a good thing i find personally uh, it doesn't sit well with me as as a favourable character trait. I, I agree that is as a job description, she's done well. Yeah, but I don't want to pat people on the back. Yeah, um, I think she, I personally think she's she's a different case. I mm. mean, whether she was a woman or a man, whatever, I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I think that as a as the the, the sovereign, mm. I think it's fine that she doesn't have opinions. It would be more impressive for Australia to become a republic while she were alive. Yeah. It would it would say at its with the figures head at its strongest, it would be more of a statement and mm. less of a popularity contest mm. to say, Oh, we don't like Charles, we'll be a republic now. That's mm. kind of weak willed in my mm. opinion. So you think that Australia should um become a, a proper republic? Oh, eventually. But it, it's it's almost inevitable. Yeah, I, I think so too, yeah. Uh, and I think from her uh, from the Queen's comments limited comments she's she sent she knows it's inevitable as well and mm. i don't i don't think she cares she's too old to care yeah and and oh, it's, a, it's a complicated issue isn't it but i personally i don't feel any need to keep australia in the commonwealth i mean i don't know it's difficult to measure isn't it whether it would be for the greater good or not mm. i mean i quite like the idea of unions you know of like you know people sort of rather than rather than isolationism i quite like unions but is that union really good for australia well in terms of discussions about national identity it's really holding us back ah. and our former prime minister paul keating uh is a huge proponent of um a republic and he says that we need it for a, a running start 
like it to really to really think about who we are we cannot do it until we are a republic we right. cannot answer those big questions about mm. who we are without mm. it and a lot of our national identity is tied up with england which yeah. m- might be you know be uh, arresting our development <laughs> um now okay we had quite a free-form conversation there for about 25 minutes. Okay. And I realised that my listeners don't really know who you are, mm. except that you're Australian, you, yep. you're complacent about zombie attacks, yep. you're not very good at holding on to coins, and you, you used to play cricket, and that um, you, you, you got a progressive view of, of Australian independence. Mm. Um, so, all right, Daniel Burt, let me, let me kind of find out about the man, the mystery, the myth, the met, the legend. Oh, God. <laughs> um, now, okay, so actually, where where are you from in Australia? I'm from Melbourne in Australia, in okay. uh, Victoria. Yeah. Which is another English uh, throwback. So, yeah, we. I, I, I'm from Melbourne. I love Melbourne. Uh, it's one of the greatest cities on the earth. Yeah. I, I love it. And more specifically, I'm from Frankston, a suburb okay. in Melbourne. All right. I'm going to ask you more about Australia in a bit. Sure. Um, but uh, how long have you been here in Paris? Uh, I was. I arrived on Valentine's Day last. Yeah, uh, last year. Yeah. yeah. So uh, February 14. I. So I've been here less than a year. Okay. And what have you been doing? Um, <laughs> walking around. I do so much walking. Dropping coins. They're dropping coins. It's yeah. I'm sprinkling them around. It's yeah. uh yeah. So I've been working as a uh, as a journalist and um, writing um, writing comedy and writing a just various individual projects. But yes, uh, largely in large part, I will uh, be sent off to. So in Australia, I would write um, a TV reviews. Yeah, um, humor. You you used to write TV reviews, or you still do? Uh, well, I I still do, but it was uh, more primary. I had a, a column uh, reviewing television, and then yeah. when I when I said I'm leaving, they said, "Well, you can't really review Australian television from Paris." So, but since you'll be in Europe, w- w- would you mind if we sent you to stuff, and okay. like you can um, write about what you see? So who? Um so which publication did you write for? Do you work for? Uh, predominantly um, The Age newspaper. The Age newspaper? Yeah, The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. Okay, so they are Melbourne papers? Uh, so they're owned by Fairfax. They're broadsheet newspapers um, in Melbourne and Sydney. Okay. The, and they're, they're, The Age has been around for over 150 years. And Is it kind of equivalent to a national newspaper in, in the UK? Uh, in terms of circulation? Um, or yeah, in terms, in terms of, of like it's it's uh, yeah, I guess it's circulate. Well, circulation means the number of people who read it, right? But they're I'm, the biggest newspapers outside of anything that Rupert Murdoch owns. Okay, well, right. So they're significant papers, basically, in mm. Australia. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're a journalist for like some uh, top Australian newspapers. Uh, yeah, an entertainment correspondent. Okay, I suppose. Right. And so you came to you didn't come to Paris. For work, exactly. You came for a for a girl. Did yeah, you? pretty pathetic, huh? No, I, it's not um, pathetic. It's romantic. No, it's it's well. There's a because I uh, was so Australia's relationship with France is that if you're under thirty, mm-hmm. uh, you can get a, a year working visa, no problem. Okay. So that's what I did. Okay. Right. Um, and uh, so yeah, I it was my girlfriend's uh, dream more or less to live in Paris. Yeah. 
She's a French teacher in Australia. She teaches English in Australia. She teaches English as a second language in Australia. She'd always loved France and Paris and wanted to live here. So I thought, well... Why not? Yeah, why not? I've got that year visa. Yeah. So it was it was not too difficult a decision. Yeah. So, but before I left, I was also writing for television. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd write for MasterChef. Yeah. Like the hosts of MasterChef. You would write the dialogue at the beginning of MasterChef, for yeah. example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. MasterChef, for the listeners, is basically like a cooking competition program. Mm-hmm. When you get famous famous chefs or, or just ordinary uh, people? No, all, the contestants ordinary. are ordinary, yeah. Yeah, okay. Very, very popular cooking program. Mm, so so I'd write for that and I'd, I'd write for comedy shows in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some weird jobs, like weird... Like I wrote for The Biggest Loser as well. The Biggest Loser is a TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's... It, the contestants are uh, morbidly obese, and the winner uh, is the biggest loser of the most weight. Wait a minute. It's like a competition to see who's the fattest? <laughs> uh, it's the, a competition to see who can lose the most weight. Oh, I, I see. Mm. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, but that, that, was, that was many uh, years ago. But right. uh, basically, I, I write and work in television. Okay. All right. Now, you... Now... As well as being the first Australian person I've had on the podcast. I find that extraordinary. We're everywhere like a virus. I, I know, but I just haven't managed to get to kidnap one. Sure. And, and get him well, I'm on, on the podcast. So, I mean, I didn't kidnap you. Um, <laughs> no, I invited you free and you gladly came over. Um, as well as being the first Australian that I've had on Luke's English podcast, you're the first person, as far as I know, who actually has a page on Wikipedia. And it's difficult to get a page on Wikipedia. You can't... As far as I know, you can't just... It's not like Facebook. You don't just write it and log in and put right. your email address. Uh-huh. You have to do things. You have to be fairly significant okay. to get an entry on the free encyclopedia. So uh-huh. you're, you're on there, and, and I've got your Wikipedia page open here. Okay. Yeah, as it says, Daniel Burt is a writer and comedian from Australia. Um, it, it, it also says that you lived in New York for a while. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yes. You, uh, so the Wikipedia page is, is it's, correct. It's right, correct so far. Right. Yeah. Um, 2005, you lived in New York. So, wow, New York. Mm. What a great place to live. Uh, yeah, I, I, I lived um, in uh, Chelsea uh, in a room of this kind of like septuagenarian alcoholic cat lady. Whoa, whoa. Septuagenarian alcoholic cat lady. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. We know, we all know what an alcoholic is, but mm. what's a septuagenarian? Well, actually, now are you stumping me? Because is it? Do you have to be in your seventies to be a septuagenarian? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that's exactly what she was. She was seventy something. Seventy right? something. You got like a septuagenarian is seventy something, and then the if you're eighty something, you're a oct- octogenarian. octogenarian. Mm. Okay. God, they're right. terrible names, aren't they? They're nice words. They're, they're good they're... words, but you do not want to be described as one of them. A septuagenarian, or not. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind making you... it to seventy or eighty. Mm. I'd be quite happy with that. But if that's your, if that's the go-to epithet, if the <laughs> what, <laughs> if that's if that's uh, so an epithet is a a word that is the first descriptive word of a person. 
You mean like the first word that you would use to explain? Mm. Like, oh, do you know Bill? Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's, oct- he's an octogenarian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I would be terribly disappointed. I mean, if that was the defining characteristic yeah. of you, if you were 80-something years yeah. old, that's it. It's like, that's what's it. Bill done? Well, we, mm. he's, he's 80. Yeah. He's 83. That's, is that all he's achieved? <laughs> what else do you need to know? That's the only thing he's achieved yeah. in his life is that he got to 83 years mm. old. All right, but this this woman that you lived with in New York was a, a septuagenarian, yep. alcoholic cat lady. Yeah, so what's cat a, lady... What's a cat lady? A cat lady is a, a lady with cats, like just too many cats. Yeah. Um, and and so she would... she would she, It was a quite an interesting uh, experience. She would drink scotch. I've never seen... I didn't know scotch could come out of... Uh, what would you call it? A, like a vat? A vat, maybe? Like a large <laughs> industrial plastic bottle. That's right. A huge sort of two to three litre Oh, yeah, bottle. very heavy to pick up. Yeah. She, she was quite She used to adept. buy scotch whiskey by the industrial container. By gallon upon gallon worth. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. And and how would she drink it? Would she put it into a glass or was it just straight <laughs> or out? Or a tumbler. It? Yeah, I, I, it was a glass. She didn't, she didn't, it would have been too hard. I th- honestly, I don't know how she did it. I tried when she was out of the house. It was incredibly heavy. Um, <laughs> and then she would leave, she would leave notes on the fridge, um... Oh, like, for instance, you weren't allowed to leave any water in the kettle. That was like a rule. So so there were all these rules, and it was like, you know what? This is too hard. Like, I'm not. Yeah. I'll just... I won't be in the kitchen. Forget about it. Yeah. So it was just basically weird. It was a weird... So I stayed I stayed uh, back at work to avoid to avoid going home. Really? Mm. You stay... You, 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 do you sleep at work sometimes? I didn't sleep at work. They, they, they were very kind. Uh, the... Uh, the bosses there uh, g- gave me a television, yeah, because I didn't have a television. Um, but then I I took it home and it uh, I plugged it in. It didn't work, <laughs> so I had to pretend that it worked. Because someone gives you a gift, you don't want to like, yeah, yeah, thanks for the gift. So I like I had to lie about what I'd watched. I, would, I like go through the TV <laughs> guide and say what I saw. Because <laughs> it's all it's it's awkward if someone gives you a TV and you're like, oh wow, that's mm. great, thanks. You don't want to, especially if you're new. You don't yeah. want to then go back to that person and go. Oh yeah, thanks a lot for the TV, but uh, can I have another one? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm walking it up like all these flights of stairs, and it was a real this TV, and I, it was already a small room, so I had this small room, and a TV took up most of it that didn't work, that I didn't yeah. want, that I brought in. Did the cats ever come into your room? No, I think I'm allergic to cats, and I, I <laughs> it's not I, ideal. Is no, it? it's not ideal, and I don't like cats. But I, I think I don't like cats. Not even I didn't like cats before I even knew I was allergic. But that's boring. Uh, but it was just it was a it was a comical situation. I, I think, suppose. I don't think it's boring. I think uh, cats and dogs. It's uh, endlessly in, fascinating. Endlessly fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Depends yeah. on how you. No, it's just. It's, I'm not saying you're. I'm saying if I, if if you make me go there, I'll I'll bore everyone's pants uh, off. Okay. Uh, but I I I, I do. Uh, well, also, honestly, like I I got this jumper. Yeah, and jumper is that a is Jump. that an Australian or no? Just we an say English? jumper in right. England. Yeah, right. jumper is you know like a woolen top, a mm. sweater, a pullover. Yeah, you could say yeah, jumper. Yeah, I say jumper. Uh, so this is like I've had this for like a few days. And it's already getting. You've had that jumper for yes, a few days, and it's right. it's getting bally. Uh, yeah, meaning like the the wool is starting to fluff into That's little right. balls. Yeah. 
And um, <laughs> I'm sorry that everything I say has to be explained. No, no, this, this, you're not the... It, everything, I know it's fine. Everything yeah. that happens on Luke's English podcast is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guests come on, they talk, and I have to like explain what they say mm. because that's what we do. The, yeah, naturally. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and no, it's just weird to talk in such a way that is inherently esoteric. Uh, but I have to, to an, ex- to an extent, I have to decode... I have to try and decode what you're what saying. I, just said. I can't do it too much because it would uh, ruin, no. ruin your your uh, flow. Oh, I'm fascinated. And, and I, I don't want to seem rude as well because obviously normally in conversation you don't stop the person you're talking to in order to uh, clarify oh, what they said. Like go that. for it. But obviously this is Luke's English podcast, yeah. so sometimes I may need to just sort of like stop you, slow mm-hmm. you down, yep. so we can just cover yeah. some of the things you've said. Yeah. So okay, you 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 talked about. Uh, <laughs> Let me just sum up for a moment. You, you moved to New York. You moved in with a septuagenarian alcoholic cat lady. Yeah. Uh, it was a nightmare. She used to drink scotch out of large three-liter uh, <laughs> yeah, bottles. Yeah. We don't know where she bought them from. No, no. Um, and uh, you you were given a TV by the people that you worked for, but it didn't work. <laughs> and you felt awkward, so you couldn't then bring it back. So you pretended to watch TV shows, and you would then you'd read the listings in the newspaper, and you'd come back and say, "Yeah, I watched um, that. Uh, I watched the game. Yeah, uh, really exciting. Lots of uh, points. It's American <laughs> <Yeah>. sports." <laughs> That's right. Um, and uh, okay, and then uh, you were talking about how you're allergic to cats, mm-hmm. but you don't like cats. But that's nothing to do with the allergy. You, you didn't like them before you realised you right. were allergic. Yeah. And then you started talking about how you bought this woolen sweater, yeah. and it's already you've only had it a couple of days, and it's mm. already started to ball up, yeah. meaning that balls of, of wool have started to arrive on the surface of the mm. uh, the jumper yeah. because of wear and tear. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. It's fluffing into little balls. So, right. so if the balls are appearing, if my uh, aesthetic is being corrupted... What? Wow. <laughs> I don't know why... See, what happens is, when I'm in a foreign country, sometimes like, I'll try and... I'll try and use one word instead of ten, but it's a confusing word. Yeah. And so I'm actually trying to help, but I'm just screwing yeah, everything yeah. up. I've always I've always noticed that about a lot of people. Mm. Um, like uh, like when you go travelling, <laughs> let's say if you go to Vietnam or somewhere somewhere else where the locals don't speak that much English, mm. you can see some people know how to speak to to, to the locals and others don't. Yeah. The uh, and the those who don't often will. <laughs> Instead of making it more simple, they'll sort of use very descriptive words, yeah, or you yeah. start to go into this sort I'm of, one of those formal, idiots. this sort of formal style. So it's like, uh, excuse me, where, uh, what time does the market open? Uh, what? And and then it's like, um, could you inform me <laughs> yeah. of the uh, the opening hours for mm. the uh, flea market? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. But but uh, the short end of it is, I look schlubby enough without cat hair all over me. Okay, so what you mean is you already look scruffy, schlubby, yes. yeah. like untidy, yeah. because your your sweaters fluff up for for a mysterious reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, the last thing you need is cat mm. hair because you already look. Yeah, exactly. Sketchy. Without the use of animals. Okay, mm. all right. So that's just another reason why not only physically do they not work; they don't work for your image. No, as that's well. right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, now uh, it says on your Wikipedia page, Daniel, mm-hmm. that uh, you 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 were a writer for. The Late Show with no, David no, Letterman. I, 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 uh, I interned in the writing department. Um, so, so yeah, that's what I was doing in New York. I, I uh, would turn up at, to the writer's room and 
do what they asked and submit jokes and get stuff on air and it okay. was it was yes it was it was excellent let me just say that again because my listeners may not have noticed it but you worked as an intern for David Letterman, basically. Yes. For the David Letterman show. Yes. Um, I don't know if my listeners all know who he is, but uh, he's like... Uh, basically, the David Letterman show is probably the biggest entertainment show, talk show, in the USA, right? Or American TV. Uh, I'm not sure if Leno's beating it now in terms of ratings. I don't know. I know that um, Letterman was ahead. Uh, culture Of cultural importance, it's by far and yeah. away the most. It used to be the Johnny Carson on the Late Show with Johnny Carson, and now... Uh, yeah, show. it was the Tonight Show, Tonight with, show. Uh, with Johnny Carson, and then uh, Letterman came on after Johnny Carson, um, but he was not given the Tonight Show, so he got a, his own show on CBS, yeah. another station, yeah. and the Tonight Show went to Jay Leno. So the, since then, they've been in competition for... Nearly uh, 20 years, I suppose. These are those shows where you get like a grey-haired guy in a suit behind a desk in front of a nighttime image of a city, probably New York. Yep. Next to the desk, there's an armchair and a sofa. Mm. And then over on the other side, there's a band and then there's an audience. Yes. And that's the, that's the setup. It's always the same. And the guests come on, the band plays tune, mm. the guest comes and sits down. David Letterman is there at his desk. And they have an interview, and it's all very entertaining and funny. And so you were an intern on that show. So uh, did you get any jokes into, into uh, the show? Yeah, and there was... Yes, it was It was an excellent training ground. I, I got to contribute monologue jokes and top ten jokes, and yeah. I had a, one of my lines quoted in Time magazine from yeah. from him. So, yeah, it was, it was a good training ground, and uh, it taught me a work ethic that um, I have hitherto... Not experienced. <laughs> you mean you 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 have found the work ethic and you've consistently failed to live up. Well, to no, it? I've uh, that's a, that's one way of spinning it. I I saw a work ethic and I've not. Um, in terms of comedy, there's no in Australia. There is no comedy show mm. that is on five nights a week. In fact, I don't think there is even a comedy show in England that's on five nights a week. I didn't realise that David Letterman's show was on five nights a week. Yeah, that's so not- so there's nothing. Outside of a talk show format in America, mm. there is no uh, production company that can put out that much content yeah. constantly. Yeah. It's absolutely... Because I... Uh, this is one reason why Paris is lovely to visit, but it's not my city. Because I'm just... I mean, if, I'm, if I spend too long away from show business or television, I go batty. Mm. And batty. Uh, nutty uh, that's just a bad synonym Um, that's good good. the more you see it's okay if we have lots of synonyms if Mm -hmm. we get to the simple definition at the end yeah because not only do they learn the word batty they also learn the word nutty (laughs) yeah sort of crazy yeah um, yeah crazy mental Mm. sort of English one Um, slightly politically incorrect batty nutty can you think of any others Uh, uh, I go a bit crazy mad um I, insane yeah yeah loopy mm. um, you become a bit of a lunatic oh, well, to, steady on <laughs> <laughs> start to go around the bends <laughs> yes. um, going to clock go, towers just barking <laughs> yeah barking mad okay uh, so yes I I, I love the, that's that's for me that is ground zero of show business yeah um, a, a live television show coming out of the Ed Sullivan Theatre on Broadway in New York City mm. um is 
with that incredible band and with those brilliant writers and with the uh, the biggest celebrities on the planet, that to me is ground zero show business. So that's just like where it's at. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So it must be incredibly energetic to plug into that sort of energy with all of the creative people there and the, the stress and the high stakes, all the viewers, the talent... Wow, it must be so exciting to be part of that world, even for a, you know just a short time. Yeah, but I think what I what I love about television or working behind the scenes is that it's not exciting. Really, like I like the fact that it's hard, and well, it's so I, hard. I, I like putting on a show. Yeah, I think putting on a show is the the most fun you can do. What's so hard about it? Uh. Well, creating content out of thin air. Yeah. Um, making something exist that n- never existed before. So you kind of start with just nothing, a blank <clears throat> page, blank canvas, a blank stage. Yeah. And then you have to just make entertainment happen out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's a miracle. I yeah. love it. That's that's the most fun you can have. Yeah. And um, so we're, we're talking really about producing entertainment TV programs, but you also do stand-up and you, you've done some one-man shows and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that compare to working in a big team, producing a TV show? How does that kind of entertainment compare to just standing on stage on your own with with nothing but yourself and a microphone? Uh, well, Barry Humphreys, who's... Uh... Dave Medna is his main character. He's an Australian character comic, basically, mm. isn't he? Um, and he's perhaps very nearly an octogenarian. Um, yeah, and he's brilliant. Oh, absolutely extraordinary. Uh, and, and so his, his line is that when he's on stage, um, he just says to himself, ah, oh, I'm home. Mm. So, so he can't survive without the stage. Mm. Um, I... I, I, I like the balance of writing and performing and too much of one and not enough of the other is not a good balance for me. Mm. And So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've avoided the question somehow. Um, but, but, yeah, I, in terms of the, the group dynamic of putting it something on, that's the weird thing is, is you put on a show, a one-night-a-week show, and everybody has a party. It's like, okay, Saturday night. We put on a show, everyone goes out, but when it's five nights a week, it's all right, okay, back to work. And at Letterman, people were preparing the next day's show during the show that was currently on air. Um, it's just a never-ending, it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. Yes. So, which kind of takes the pressure off because... Because mm, if you get it wrong, there's the there's next night. There's always the next night. Yeah. Mm. Whereas when you do like a stand-up show once a week or less often than that, you mean there's more of a sort of... It's for one night only. Yeah. This is the big night. And then mm. you have a kind of a party celebration afterwards. Yeah. Whereas the TV... Well, obviously, t- TV production... Producing something like The Letterman Show is such a bigger scale. And, yeah. Wow. It's, it's incredible. Did you meet any uh, famous names? Did you meet any stars? Uh, I, I I mean, I was in the, the ball... I met Dave. I met... Um, <coughs> Dave David Letterman. David Letterman. I... Uh, it's celebrity. I don't really care about. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I, I went to um, last night. I went to Crazy Horse. Uh, what? Uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horse? No. Uh, the 
the club in Paris since 1951. It's but it's a French. It's a more authentic, less touristy uh, Moulin Rouge. It's like the Moulin Rouge, but the real thing. Yeah. Because now the Moulin Rouge is basically a tourist attraction. Oh, and it costs extraordinary amounts of money. And yeah, that's right. It's just up the road. Yeah, yeah. Lis- listeners. <laughs> can you I, hear the windmill? Yeah, can you, I can almost smell the Moulin Rouge <laughs> from, from here. Just a couple of streets, look up the road. Boom, there it is. Apparently many of the dancers are Australian. Really? Mm. Wow. But, but this, 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 uh, so the, it's nude women. I mean, it's nude women. They're yeah. nude. Yeah. It's pretty old fashioned stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Will Smith turned up. Will Smith uh, getting jiggy with it. <laughs> interesting. Did he get jiggy with it? Now, why? In, like, that's so interesting that that's the first reference. <laughs> like, it's, he, he, do you think he would be happy with that as a reference? No, because I'm sure he, he now considers himself to be an A-list star. He's like the black Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right. But I personally enjoy getting jiggy with it. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Sure. And I like the phrase getting jiggy with it. Mm. Do you think he's not proud of getting jiggy with it? I think he's probably proud. I, it's hard to say. Um, I, it's just he he's, you know, the pursuit of happiness or uh, Men in Black or Independence Day or the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I used to love watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air mm. and I realised that he's done loads and loads of things. But it's kind of like, I suppose... It's an easy-to-say phrase. It's a catchphrase. Yeah, I agree. It's not his catchphrase. I mean, obviously, he sang it in a song. He doesn't mm. say it all the time. But it's just a catchy phrase, which is fun to say. Yeah. And so that's why I associate it with Will No, Smith. no, I, I thought the exact same thing last night because, mm. for a start, he comes in, and uh, he comes in just before the show starts because otherwise everyone's gawking. Anyway... He's in the audience. Mm, yeah. He's in the audience, and uh, the show starts. There's a technical malfunction. Um, you mean the lights don't the lights, work? The lights, the music stops, the lights don't work, the lights come up in the audience. And everyone starts looking at Will Smith like, come on, Will, you're going to sing jiggy, jiggy, with, jiggy it? with it. Well, that's what I was thinking. But I hate, I hated, and he would have hated it too, what his presence did to the room. What did his presence do to the it room? It sucked. It was a vortex of energy. That sucked the communal vibe for the stage, yeah, and redirected it to him. He didn't seek it out; it just went to him. What is he in? Like a a Jedi? Or he's a Jedi. How he's, did he do that? Well, people stare. They they try and take surreptitious photographs, sneaky photos on their phones. Yeah. Um. They, you know, they they whisper. You can hear his name whisper. Will Smith. Will yeah. Smith. Yeah. Can, can you check it with? And we're not here. He's here for the show. And we're here for the show. But now we're here for Will Smith. Yeah. And I hate it. I hate... I, mean, I hate that element You of hate the fact that people um, are so preoccupied by celebrity that they will, uh, like, be distracted by him mm. so much that it will kind of destroy the evening because they won't be... A, uh, focusing on the show yeah and as a result the general feeling of the evening will go down because Will Smith no matter how much you look at him and, and whisper about him he's not going to get on stage and get jiggy with him no no he's not going to do it so no. so uh, yeah I know so, what you mean people are uh, unreasonably impressed by celebrity it is true so all these all the, I wonder how many people went home and people asked them how the show was and I wonder how many people brought up Will Smith before the actual mm. show well, you you have. Exactly. How was the show, by the way? 
uh, it was um, yeah, it was old fashioned, but it was it was absolutely it was so fun. And I'm you know I'm sitting at the back in a booth with a bottle of champagne. Yeah, it was again. It was that element of show business done well. It was like dark red, you know, uh, like clockwork. Apart from when the clock actually stopped. And the <laughs> um, so so yeah, I, I I really I got a huge kick out of it. I loved it. It's just good to see an old fashioned proper stage show. Yeah, baby, being done really well. Yeah, with all of the. All of the, you know, lights and the teeth mm. and the tits. And, and, and uh, so each, there would be vignettes, vignettes of uh, performances. Each vignette had a different theme. Yeah. All right. So like, uh, was it like a cabaret? I mean. Yeah, sure. It's a cabaret. Cabaret show. But interestingly now, uh, so you've got women, beautiful, all identical. And they're identical physically because that's the audition process they're chosen because they look similar to their nipples have to be at the same height what which lucky guy has got the job (laughs) of measuring (laughs) measuring nipples from the ground um (laughs) so because it's it's because when we're when you see naked women it's just all about symmetry so uh yeah so they all they all look pretty identical so there's not too many there's not a lot of difference between the girls but Mm. As a break during the show, it's not really a break, it's a part of the show. People are enjoying the show. It's, I wish people... I If someone is a good audience member, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, they're a good person. Yeah. Like, I think most people are good, but if you're a good audience member, I know you're a good person already. I totally agree, because the audience, maybe they don't realise, but they have a massive influence on mm. how that show goes. And if an audience member is willing to sort of listen and yeah. and go with, go with the performance yeah. and laugh when when you know it's appropriate or not or just at least get involved yeah. uh, and uh, and engage with what's happening then that can just provide the performers with a lot more energy and the, you see you can see it in the performers they they shine a bit more when they're being given the right kind of attention from the audience it's so. quite amazing how some how many people d- don't get it and never will Audience members. Audience members. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's not their job to get it, yeah. necessarily. It's yeah. just a bonus when when you have someone with a joie de vivre, uh, you know, yeah. uh, exuding from them, from the audience. Mm. Anyway, so uh, during the show, everyone's not tepid. They're enjoying, they're, they're giving the women, you know. Some applause. Some feedback. Yeah. Then two dudes get up. All right, two dudes. Yeah, two males, and uh, they are juggling. And right. I won't give away their act, but easily, easily the biggest applause for the night. And Will Smith loved it because uh, they were juggling. But I mean, they, there was a twist on this. They yeah. weren't just juggling; they were doing something special. Oh, there's a twist. Yeah, they're juggling with. Well, normally it's like they're juggling with fire or juggling with chainsaws. Well, it's, I can say it because it's it's even if you know, it's still impressive. Yeah. So they they uh, they swap clothes while never uh, stopping juggling. Wow. Mm. So they'll throw it. They'll undress and throw each other their pair of pants and then get dressed. That's amazing. It is amazing. It's absolutely amazing, and they deserve. They deserve their applause. But the applause was bigger than any of the women received. Just, it's, I just found that interesting. 
Mm. Uh, there, there, are may, there are many reasons why that might have happened. Oh, I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm no, just. I, I just thought it was curious. I'm. I'm. I'm interested by that too. Because mm. is it because of the? Is it because of the fact that that kind of naked women dancing is is not as popular as it used to be because mm. it doesn't quite fit into the socio-political <clears throat> landscape in the same or way? We have the internet. Yeah, exactly, and we're not that. Uh, amazed by the sight of naked women yeah. anymore because yeah. just two clicks and you've got it on your phone. Mm-hmm. Not that I know how to do that. <laughs> two clicks, I mean, huh? Yeah. T- yeah. Uh, you must have downloaded an app. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Google image search. Anyone <laughs> yeah. could do it. Yeah. Um, and or, or is it because... Um, uh, oh dear, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, is it because um, they are... The, it looks easy. It looks that people think that being beautiful and uh, gallivanting around the stage, and they are, they're athletes. I mean, I'm not sure if they're athletes, but they're very live, they're very fit, they're doing extraordinary things that they're acrobatic, they're dancers, they're dancing. (laughs) So, 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 do you need to explain anything? Well, I was, the third thing I was going to say was that maybe they didn't get the same level of applause from the audience because uh, people's level of expectation was higher. That's right. You know, they thought, I'm going to see a proper old-fashioned Parisian cabaret dancing mm. uh, thing. And I've heard about it. We've seen the movie Moulin Rouge. I can't wait. This is going to be amazing. Mm. And then when it actually happens, they're <clears> like, oh, it's just some women jumping around. Yeah. It's met our expectations. Here are these jugglers we weren't even expecting exceeded our expectations. Yeah. So uh, these guys, um, and one part of show business, which I find interesting, uh, is the fake difficulty. Yeah. Uh, the, the oh, like th- they might, these jugglers might pretend to have found an, an element of their performance more difficult than it actually is. Like the bit where, okay. They'll almost drop something, but they plan to almost drop it. Now, I don't know if that's true. No, I, that may well be true, that mm. performers will make it look more difficult. I mean, mm. that, that because ultimately it's, it's more impressive when someone does something that looks difficult. Yeah. And if they do something and it's, easy, and it's clearly easy, then we're less impressed. But, Especially if it's not music, you know, because mm. music, you create the music in the air and mm. the sound of it is impressive. That's like a primal thing. But when it's like a magic trick or comedy, sometimes you have to make it look more difficult because otherwise the audience doesn't see the trick. They don't see what they should be applauding. Mm. Well, you, you have a lot of jokes that uh, have a premise that you build on... You, you'll say something and then contradict yourself mm. with a stream of thought that refutes what you initially your initial position. Yeah. Um, and there's an element... If people buy the premise, then they'll buy the bit. And mm. so, yeah. I think there's there's the something about the elements of surprise yeah. or leading people one way and then taking them in a different way. And he doesn't know where he's going. Yeah. yeah. And then... Oh, but he does because speaking in a fairly self-assured way about something that actually doesn't really make much sense. Yep. I think there's something funny. There's something inherently something funny in that, I mm. hope. Um, all right. Okay. So, wow. Showbiz. Yes. Showbiz. Now, if you want to hear more about Daniel's showbiz stories, you'll have to listen to part two of this conversation because that's the end of part one. You see, that's the way these things work. Sometimes you get to the end and you have to listen to another one. 
That's exactly what's happened here. Um, I hope that you're still listening and that you haven't been bitten by a zombie. Um, stay tuned. Listen to part two. Thanks for listening all the way up to this moment here. Um, you're a fantastic, wonderful, special person. You're one of the extra special listeners who listen all the way to the end so well done you you deserve some kind of reward i'm not sure what that should be maybe you should just pat yourself on the back well done good job like that uh, but it's not finished of course there'll be more stuff coming your way before long uh, but uh, mind how you go take care make sure you don't get bitten by a walker that's another word for a zombie if you watch walk the walking dead if you are a walking dead fan by the way I hope you're ready for the beginning of, of um, is it the next season or is it just the the continuation of season four of The Walking Dead? I, I love zombie stuff. I think it's brilliant. I know it's disgusting and it's a bit stupid, but I love zombie stuff. I'm going to do a zombie episode of Luke's English Podcast. That's not an episode when I just talk like a zombie the whole time. No, it's an episode all about zombies. But for now, though, it's goodbye, bye, bye, bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.